0: The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits
1: Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This week, we're in Mumbai, India for spices, curry, and Bollywood dancing. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Couture, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week.
2: There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome to the winemakers, everyone. This is Brian Casey. I'm here with Todd Jolly and Bart Hansen. And we've got, okay, I got to remember, Andrew. Andrew. April. Yes. Lee and Doug. And we're up here in uh, Dry Creek Valley. We are at Knoll, And uh, those of you that remember, what was it, three weeks ago, something like that, Todd brought a bottle over on the show that we did on the back porch, 16600. And yep. We all really like the wine, and so um, got an opportunity to come up here and and um,
0: and visit, and so we jumped on it. So we are, um, and so we're we're in the back of the winery, sitting out next to the horseshoe pit, amongst the vines. It's uh, November twentieth. Um, National, Zin National Zinfandel <laughs> Day. Very nice. Um, oh right, yeah. Shut yep. up. Um, Uh, surrounded by old vines that are in various states of color it is the uh the fall colors are here and um sonoma county is alive and well everybody don't believe the news come out and spend your money (laughs) so we want to thank you guys for having us out here um i I'll, i'll say that i um uh have been wanting to have um, you guys on for quite some time. I was first turned on to the Nall Zinfandels um, sometime in the late '80s, um, and they were. and Bar, how old are you? Yeah, exactly. And they were always a Zinfandel at Kenwood that we that we aspired to be like because they had Zinfandel, they had they had Zinfandel. They had acid, and they were um, not overly alcoholic, and and that was the focus. And this is in the, the '80s. Time. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And Doug's been doing it that way. And Doug yeah. and Andrew have been doing it that way the whole time. They never chased the trends that I think a lot of us saw. So, Doug,
1: thank you very much. It's table wine, baby. There
0: you go. There you go.
3: Well, we are celebrating 35 years this year, so. There you go. Wow. Happy
2: anniversary.
4: Well,
1: cheers to 35
4: years, huh?
2: Cheers. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Cheers. All right. Get well, in there, bark. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs>
2: Yeah, and if you hear that background noise, that is the wind. It's uh, possible that some of us are going to get our power shut off today. Supposed to have, you know, just on the way over here, we were over at Unti, um, and just on the drive over, I heard him say that we had 35 mile per hour winds. It was supposed to die down to like 10, but I don't know. I don't know if that's
1: (laughs) somewhere
4: in between there right now. (laughs) We're also in
6: a wind tunnel right behind the winery.
1: Okay, gotcha. But we're getting good at this with uh, candles and generators. Yeah.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Go uh, ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just saying, so
0: Lee, maybe you'd be a good place to start with this because it's your family who um, has owned and and farmed the property. Um, Could you maybe give us a little background on that?
7: Right. My my maiden name is Henderlong, so we call this the Henderlong Ranch. And um, my grandpa, Fred, and grandma, Ruby, bought this place in 1927 and Grandpa Fred built the house that actually Andy and Andrew and April live in right now. so it, um, and then he, there my grandpa's dad was also a farmer out in further out Dry Creek towards um, the dam, Lake Sonoma. and the my dad grew up in the house right on the road where um, Andy and a- Andrew and April live. so, but this ranch originally was prunes and grapes because prunes were really a big deal in Hillsburg. They had a contest to name Hillsburg. What would be a good logo slogan? It was the winning entry was the buckle of the prune belt. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I always tell people that prunes were the leading economic um, thing in Hillsburg the year I graduated from high school, which was 52 years ago.
5: Wow.
7: So. Um, and my dad was a farmer for a while here, and my uncle stayed on the ranch. And then my dad worked in the lumber business, and, but he also he loved this place. And I um, I can't say that I loved picking prunes every summer for 13 years. I thought, man, I got to get out of this place. I got to get out of this dirt. I got to go to the city, go to school, get a job. Well, then what do I do? I fall in love with a guy working at a winery in the <laughs> cellar, and that's how. I got in the wine business.
2: Well, Lee, can you explain something about prunes and plums? Because well, a lot of people think when they're eating prunes that they're dried plums, but they're not actually the same thing, right?
7: Um, well, they're not. And Doug and I have a perpetual argument about prunes and plums because he says they're prune plums or they're plums. And I say, no, when I was growing up, we never called them plums. They were always prunes. And there were French prunes and imperials, which were a little bigger. SunSweet had a drying plant right in town, and it smelled like when he got to town in this early 70s, just like dried prunes was oh, the, was the familiar <laughs> thing. And I think um, they na- they changed the name to plums because of marketing purposes, because prunes were uh, has a bad connotation for a geriatric thing that you need to use all the time. Um, but and it's not just. When, <laughs> <laughs> they were dry. Keep keep, keep you regular. Yeah, well, I don't know, um, but pr- and prunes don't come off the tree all dried up. Of course, they they look like plums. You would say, except no, they're not. But they're, but they're egg, they're egg shaped, <laughs> yeah. egg- and they have a free stone in the middle, like a peach it can be a free stone. That's the way prunes are. Plums, however, have the the stone that's the the see the center sticks and it and it has a tart um skin it's completely different yeah than i can prun- i can jump in here. with
6: empirical evidence right here in front of the wineries we have a uh, prune tree and a plum tree and the plums are definitely juicier and the pit stays on and the the, the prunes just fall right off almost like a yeah more drier someone
2: you know sam couture not here with us today but but someone dropped off a bunch of prunes to him a few weeks ago i guess alice is allergic to tomatoes and so he some guy brings him a bunch of prunes and he makes ketchup out of it he (laughs) puts them on the Uh, stove for like i don't know two days or something and boils them down and then adds a little uh, like vinegar and and um, uh, brown sugar or something but but i was eating them they were delicious yeah and that's what that's why i was like what do you mean they're prunes you mean they're plums they're not prunes yet he's like no they're prunes
7: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they are okay yeah. <laughs> take that yeah all
2: right well you guys tell us a little bit about the property like how many acres are you on what's planted what do you got planted out
1: here um yeah what's going on well, we don't normally talk about this because you never tell many, anybody how many head of cattle you have, so should you be telling people how Wait many acres you have? Wait a minute, when
2: you're in Texas, don't you brag about it? If you got a lot, you tell people, right?
1: <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> we have uh, 20 acres of grapes, Okay. and it's not all Zinfandel, but uh, a lot of it is, yeah. so uh, we don't use it all, but uh, maybe someday. Anyway, it's, it's a nice little ranch.
2: Yeah. And when you say you n- you don't use it all, you mean you're selling some of it to yep, other people or okay, of and you guys have a fair amount of fruit actually still on the vines right now, which I was happy to eat. I picked a couple for you guys. Thank you <laughs> and it's it's delicious and you said uh, I guess it's second crop stuff. you said go ahead and take go it home back. if you want. Yeah. They're right. just like prunes.
4: <laughs> maybe for people that haven't been here before um, could one of you just describe kind of where we're at exactly like um, you know just outside of Healdsburg kind of go from there talk about the bench a little bit
6: yeah so we're two, about two and a half miles outside of Healdsburg if you were going on the 101 in California north and you got off of the dry creek road exit you, you hang a left then you go out a couple miles and we're on the right hand side Going towards Lake Sonoma is a common destination for boaters, and um, a lot of wineries are on the main Dry Creek. So they they don't call it East Dry Creek; it's just regular. It's just Dry Creek Road. Um, Then there's West Dry Creek, which is on the west side of uh, the Dry Creek, which is um, the valley. But Dry Creek is uh, no longer dry because of Lake Sonoma. So, um, and we're up on the some people are calling it the east bench um because we're on the east side of the creek and um it, we get a lot of the early morning sun and the afternoon sun so we got that full exposure during the day uh where the sun uh, settles over the ridge on the on the west side a little earlier and um we've got an amazing flat laid out uh, a lot of dry farming um uh, zin vines that have been here for over 90 years now and we're still making wine from them which we're going to taste here and uh it's really easy to access so we've got an above ground cave actually with 300 rosemary on top so you can kind of spot that from the road
0: yeah so it's interesting you know dry creek valley is a um a valley that doesn't have real high mountains on each side it's probably what about 800 feet of elevation is the highest um it's a wide valley um but it it definitely has an area that's down along the creek bed which would be called valley floor but there's all these different benches and they all have very unique soils and much different than the valley floor isn't that correct
1: yeah i i I look at dry creek as four quadrants okay that's redundant okay quadrants um and um, the, the east side of the valley is, is two of the quadrants, and as you come out of Healdsburg and go up toward the dam, it gets warmer and warmer, but the soil types are similar. Okay. Soil types are different on the other side of the creek, and they're cooler because they don't get that afternoon sun. The sun goes behind the mountain. Right. They get afternoon sun, but compared to what we get, we get more. Is that Bradford Mountain? Well, it's one of the mountains. Okay, yeah, I I don't know of they, they don't actually name other parts of the right other side of the valley, but Bradford is over there. Okay, yeah. And you get a different uh, way the grape grows, uh, the exposure to the sun aspect, as they would call it. Um, soils are different. And so I've made wine from all four quadrants, and um, they're different. Yeah. They definitely are different. We like this bench side. Um, I prefer it anyway, and Andrew does. So, that's, so all our fruit comes from this this side of the east side of the valley.
0: So um, the valley, although you don't, I don't think of it that way, but the valley does really run north south.
1: Well, or it actually north- runs south northwest southeast. Northwest, yeah. But we tend to like to just simplify it and say it's north south. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and the, so the northwest end is definitely warmer even though theoretically it's closer to the ocean
1: i would say the northeast end is. i'm sorry northeast end is warmer yeah yeah Yeah. okay and then when you but you get it to the altitude up to rock pile right and you got a whole nother appellation really um it's i mean if you want to call something dry creek but you're up in the hills at 800 feet uh it's quite different yeah i mean they call what's the area over there on the east side of napa um you know where Silverado trail yeah or coombsville well, I was thinking um I can't think of the name. It's up it's up by the Yeah. Um it'll come to you as soon as I we will. Leave. <laughs> it will. Anyway. Angwin? Doesn't matter. Angwin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They still call that Napa Valley, but the fruits are way. Right, different. Right, yeah. right. Thank yeah. you. Angwin. Yeah. So so Doug, let me
0: ask you this. What what was your I, I know I know that um you took some classes at um, at Santa Rosa J C. I mean, you, you, you went to college down south, if I remember right. Um, I, this is from the website. Um, and then But when you came up here, you took some classes at the JC. Um, I know Rich Thomas um, was someone who was teaching at that time, correct?
1: Right, Rich and, Thomas. Um,
0: and Rich was a big influencer of, of all of us in the Valley during that time.
1: Well, Rich was the only one that uh, we thought knew what he was talking about. right. <laughs> And that's because he told you that. It was a small (laughs) pond. Yeah. Yeah. And Rich would tell us that often. (laughs) Right. Uh, And Dick Arrowwood was also teaching at the JC. Rich Arrowwood, he was, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, He was uh, either a year younger or a year older than I was, but he knew everything because he had gone straight out of high school to Fresno State and and, uh, had a degree. And again, it was a small pond. So um, there was no internet. What you knew was basically your academic background and a little bit of experience. Right. Right. so I started at that point, and I ended up at Davis and okay. got a graduate degree from Davis. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then what was your first winery job? My first
1: one at uh, what is now called Coppola Winery, but it was Souverain. Right, Chateau Souverain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. So it was a big winery, and they let me do a lot of different things. So I got a big Exposure, and then and um,
0: so yeah. did you. That was after you had graduated from Davis. No, it
1: wasn't actually. I I, I started completely. Uh, so you were just a seller rat. I was a cellar rat, which was the best thing you could do. Actually. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you get the academics on on top of that, and right. that helped helped me get my first job out of Davis. Real, I mean, where I was the boss. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And
0: then I also um, seems to me you um, you and John Kongsgaard worked together, right? Somewhere. Yep. Yep. yeah yeah John
1: is a closer closer and closer yeah no, no, no good okay uh yeah John uh Thanks is a napa it. boy and and uh but we knew each other at Davis and we ended up on a collaborating on a winery um, here in Sonoma county called balvern and, right um, and then and John ended up going back to Napa where his family had land and started okay. his own label
0: okay yeah. yeah.
1: Brian, it came up. Uh, the
0: reason why I bring it up is jo- uh, Brian's making some wine this year for his first time, mm-hmm. and when he was looking for like wineries that he wanted to stylize things after, one of the ones he said it was a Kongsgaard Chardonnay. And
2: well, he says he says how do how do you want to make the wine? I said I want to make it exactly like the two thousand nine Kongsgard Chardonnay Judge Vineyard. I know we did like, it was like a year-long ferment or something. I mean, it was something crazy. At least a year. Yeah. And I think Bart, <laughs> Maybe Bart five was, years. Yeah. I don't know. I think Bart was a little confused by that. And then I said, no, I'm just kidding because I want to make sure that we have something to sell.
5: <laughs> we could
1: go way deep on that one,
2: but we won't. Yeah, yeah, what is the story with those ferments? I mean, how do you let your wine ferment that long?
1: Oh, we don't have time for all that. <laughs> yeah, or we do if you want to pay me two fifty an hour, I'll I'll work with Are you. Are we out. talking <laughs> two hundred
0: and fifty or two no, fifty? Uh, two hundred and fifty. Okay, no maybe, maybe more. If you maybe we can talk about yeah. yeah. consulting fees, Brian. Consulting.
4: Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Hey, Lee, I to ask you to jump back to the prunes and plums. So when did all that kind of? It was in nineteen late twenties, right? When it kind of switched over into grapes, and can um. you kind of just talk about that? Well,
7: uh, by the 1980s, most of the prunes were being planted over in Marysville and Yuba City. That sort of they could grow really great prunes over there, but they couldn't grow the kind of grapes that we can grow here. Mm -hmm. So, eventually, and the um, the the farming families next to us took care of the vineyards. The Cyene family for my grandparents when they got older. And so they were still farming, and they eventually w- took out the prunes, and and then when Doug and I came on the scene, we um, and Doug was, um, in, he was really he thought, well, the Henderlong Ranch, you could make, a, you could have a winery here, wouldn't that be great, and um, and we could call it Henderlong Winery, and but you know, my mom and dad very very conservative, and they said, what a winery. That's crazy, whoever thought of a winery? There were only 17 wineries in Dry Creek. That'll never, how are you gonna sell the wine? We're gonna lose the ranch because of that. And but, um, but, and anyways, my, my mom didn't really trust men that well, in it, but after 35 years, I guess she finally trusts, because we've been married for almost 45, she trusted you after that. And so it all worked out that we, we were able, she said, well, you can, they allowed us to build a winery here. But they didn't. They said we'll just sell you the grapes, and you can. Mm. And we bought from other from other growers too. But it was our thing. And so when Doug and I started out, well, anyway, I I was his only cellar help right here at this winery, and, and and
1: she was fine. If you looked at her as a 13-year-old adolescent. boy,
7: <laughs> now I'm a 12-year-old girl in the cellar, so I'm not so.
1: She was fine. Uh, we did it. We did a good job of pairing up on it. But,
7: no, uh, and if it yeah. weren't, Doug's the one, uh, one that has a lot of these great ideas, and and it's worked out great for my family to have to be able to keep this land in the family for all these years, and to and I, and I, I mean, I knew my grandparents really well, but I never really thanked them that much for all the things that they did, um, the way we grew up, and I mean, it's the way kind of people think they want to grow up picking prunes making applesauce from the apples on the on the ranch and but it took Doug to come in and um, you know shake us all into saying you could have something really great here Lee you could be like you could be really happy just just trust me
1: and it's it's ironic because I never thought of putting my name on a bottle of wine I I was fine with Henderlong, but it didn't work that way so here we are that's why we're calling it an all winery yeah
4: who knew so from when the the vines were planted until you established an all winery, I mean where were the where were the grapes gro- going for the most part?
1: Uh, well, again here we do the, the Texas cattle I yeah. a, We don't talk about who we sell grapes That's
4: to.
7: No, but no, my but was mom it, I what? mean
4: was it going into like brandy productions or was it wine? Oh, no, no, no. I think he means in the old days. Yeah. In yeah. the old days, yeah.
7: well my know my mom and dad sold their grapes to Sebastiani for no. 17 yeah. years. There was a guy named Al and they always made a deal <laughs> Well, and um, right, and they would go to the growers' dinner. It was a big deal, yeah. Sebastiani. Yeah.
4: Cool. Yeah, I was more asking like in the 40s and 50s. Not, and not really.
7: would, well, yeah, 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 up Fry Brothers up the road.
6: And Corbell would buy some to turn into brandy because yeah. they'd and, get the brandy gift. And, and
7: sparkling wine. And there was Chenin and Blanc down right. in the flat and. Didn't they? Yeah, they made bubbly. Yeah. They would pick it Chenin early. Blanc? <laughs> what? Blanc, uh. Yeah, really. Old Chenin Blanc. Well, I
4: was saying, hello,
1: Chenin. Shut up, <laughs> Brian Casey. This is something some of the old timers that might listen to this. Who will that be? Not too many. But um, Hardy Burgundy was a big deal yeah. in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And Gallo was making wine right almost next door to us a mile away at right. Fry Brothers, and they still do. And the vast majority of those grapes that went into Hardy Burgundy was Zinfandel, and it was from Dry Creek Valley. And then as the industry started maturing and when we started coming in, like Nall in the 80s, then those grapes went from Hardy Burgundy, they went into White Zinfandel, and then guys like me said, hey, wait a minute, Uh, Red Zinfandel is a thing, and it it was a thing back in the 1800s, and it was a thing into the 19, well, before Prohibition, uh, can't we do that again? And that's where we, we took off with it. Yeah. Um, Dave Stair, yep. Dry Creek, Ridge was starting to make yep. um, Zin. The original Lytton Springs. The original Lytton Springs, yep. that's right. Um, and Joe Swan was buying grapes out of here and mm-hmm. made some fabulous wines from Teldesky Vineyard, which right. was right here, which is one of the wines that I really lit up on in the early 70s and went, ooh, it can be done. That's just down the road. Yeah, uh, it's just a yeah, mile away, a mile, yeah, okay. or less. Good. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's um, it, it's amazing. You say seventeen, you know, seventeen wineries at that point.
1: I don't even think there were that many. Right, uh, that were, there may have been that many bonded, but they were bulk wineries, and right. it was amazing how few there were. There's just a handful that were bonded, trying to sell their wine as, oh, this is our brand. Right, right, yeah, right. No, I think Lee is technically right on. Yeah, it.
0: well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's. I mean, it, it's the same thing. When I started at Kenwood in the mid '80s, there were. They used to say there were sixteen wineries in Sonoma Valley. In Sonoma Valley, you okay. know, and the um, Appalachian. yeah, yeah, yep. and Kenwood. and so, um, and now you know, there's a hundred wineries that claim Sonoma mm-hmm. Valley to be their home. You know, mm-hmm. th- a lot of them are just you know just brands and stuff but mm-hmm. you know driving around dry creek now and um you don't have to look at the sign to see how many mm-hmm. wineries there's just a lot more and stuff but dry creek valley's doing really well it seems right mm-hmm. i mean you guys have good um good following and people spend uh you, you guys are busy on the weekends and stuff up here right i mean
6: oh yeah yeah saturdays and sundays are the days that we're open to the public and really? uh, we get nice foot traffic, and then we have our wine club members who stuck with us um, for since we started the wine club only in 2011, but we've had a mailing list. And so we've had some people buying the wine for almost the whole 35 years, a few yeah. people still hanging around. And uh, so we just – but we get new people, and um, Hillsburg's really popping with all the tasting rooms down there and restaurants, but then people can just – go to either side of the valley here in dry creek or go over to alexander valley or go down to russian river if they want pinot yeah so it's it's a wonderland here of
0: wine it's it's amazing how healdsburg has evolved you know i mean you guys can remember when the 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 plaza or the square was wasn't much of anything and now it's the center of all the activities in healdsburg it's great to see it really is because healdsburg used to just be a sheep a, a sleepy farm town you know um, we were
4: joking around at lunch uh, before we came here that it's nice that, that uh, the roundabout in Hillsburg is finally or looking almost done. You know, yeah. was a, that was a three <laughs> to five year project. You know? Yeah,
6: it's also great, catching yeah. some criminals too. Can't speed through town yeah, trying nice. to yeah, escape. Is that
5: yeah. right? Uh, it's beautiful though. Yeah. yeah.
0: So um, Andrew, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the first wine that you poured, and then uh, tell us what you want to talk about next here. What's the next wine? Well, we're starting with
6: uh, some of the cooler climate varietals, and we're, we started by sipping some of the sparkling. We're making sparkling rosé, a pinot from Hopkins River Ranch. It says Hopkins Ranch on the label. Um, it's a seven, 2017 vintage. We pretty much just drank the last bottle, um, but uh, it's it's a small production, of course. I mean, we're a small winery about total production is about 1500 cases. Okay. Um 1500 cases and uh so we just uh, make about 70 cases of the, 72 to be exact of the sparkling. And uh and what
0: other white wines do you guys make?
6: Uh making some sauvignon blanc off the our own grapes that are down in the flat there. We call it going down towards the creek and it's awesome. Um uh, screaming acid really got that sauvignon blanc character um down home and uh fermented in barrels and we do everything our white wines in barrels uh i don't we have stainless to do the initial on the reds and the skins but i always try to get everything into barrels as much fermentations as i can um just the any kind of french oak nuance that the fermentations in that barrel give the wine are a lot more elegant and um, rounds out the tannins just gives you a smooth bottle of wine and it takes a lot more hands-on and attention to the details in the barrel because you've got little slight oxidation moments and um, just getting the temperature right. It, it takes I I don't just punch in numbers, so I'm doing everything by touch and feel, and I like having that control. And um, anyway, the sparkling I make the base, and I give it a little bit of a press, and then I mean a little bit on the skins, and just not not bright, bright rosé but uh just flavorful so it's about the finish too it's about the mouthfeel the texture and um but sparkling has a nice anything sparkling has the the aromatics from the secondary fermentation the yeasty bread like characteristics are always a bonus but for me i want that that mouthfeel to be something you've never that's you have to search far for to get good
3: I jump in uh. and say something. Just I love that it's made in the traditional champagne method, but there's no dosage, so there's no sugar. Um, so it has yeah. that kind of like creamy texture, champagne texture, but it's really lively and yeah. I was drinking Absolutely. a lot of it before I got pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> 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 too bad. Seems
1: yeah. like somebody missing it. <laughs> yeah. a bit. Another one barkeep here. Yeah. Oh.
5: <laughs> on. uh, yeah. No, I'm having this.
6: So. But, yeah. so then we also made a still Pinot Noir and we do every year from our buddies um, Bob and Tony and Whitney Hopkins at Hopkins Ranch are close friends and really good growers, and I get to go down there and um, just. Where in the Russian River Valley is Hopkins Ranch? Uh, it's on Eastside Road. It's it's south of uh, Rodney Strong, down there going towards River Road. It's right right before that Riverfront Park, um, and yeah. it's and you just it's going down towards the rivers where the. Uh, Pinot is. It's a swan clone Pinot. We make a big deal out of that. I, I see swan clones being talked about more, but when we started, we were always making Zan, and then when my dad wanted to make some Pinot Noir, we got this in 1998. We started doing it, and I, I didn't... There wasn't a whole lot of discussion about that. It was just like, oh, this is this Pinot, and it's it doesn't crop very much, and it's it's light in color, but...
0: So the this, this swan clone, is that it's actually a field selection right from joseph swan or is that a yeah. davis certified no, it, clone? well
1: it is a davis now they have uh, oh it is okay he treated it but uh it was a suitcase clone oh it that, was okay yeah there's a lot of discussion on how it got in here through martin ray maybe right uh just bringing it yep. in from burgundy and then and then joe got it from martin ray okay put it in his vineyard and then bob got it from joe and right blah 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 yeah but it isn't heat treated it wasn't in bob's vineyard they have now taken it and done that so yeah it's it's
0: funny there are i think there's a lot of times where people refer to clones and they actually mean field selections and
1: whatnot so um i don't sometimes it really doesn't even matter right yeah exactly yeah exactly And and clones respond differently and april can speak to this even better than i Uh, Because she's a viticulturalist. Um, It depends where you put the clone. Right. They don't taste the same when they're in different soil in different locations. Isn't that amazing how that works? Yeah. That
7: is
2: true. No, I'm I'm looking for... I smell lavender. Oh. But I don't know where it's coming from. Mm
7: -hmm. On the other side of the winery. It's way over in a barrel on the other side of the winery.
2: Oh, okay. I mean, it's really present. Like, I catch whiffs of... Lavender, and I, I was smelling it when we first got here, but I couldn't it's pick out what it was. And now it just—it's not, just not rosemary. Mary. No, 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 definitely lavender. Close
7: this. What yeah. is it? The roses? No. Oh, it must be. Brian what, just what has a, a nose Brian has you a have, sensitive Brian. nose. Whoa. <laughs> mm. <laughs> there is some lavender
3: though. Mm. No, that's
7: rose. So April. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: Let's talk a little bit about your responsibilities here at the winery. Oh. Mm.
7: <laughs> I guess I'm like...
3: Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. But so your
0: background is, is, is viticulture? Viticulture, yeah. Okay. I got my
3: um, master's degree in viticulture at the University of Adelaide. Okay. In Australia. Okay. And then moved back here and actually started working as a grower rep in the Central Valley. Okay. And then met Andrew and then so I moved here to to Healdsburg okay. and worked for another winery as a grower rep but then we decided we wait, started wait,
2: I'm sorry can I start what's a grower rep
3: um it's kind of like a liaison between uh the farmers and the winemakers so we'd go out there and it's we, a
0: thankless <laughs> job <laughs> it's a fun job exactly.
3: <laughs> it's really fun yeah. it, it, but um no in, in the Central Valley we used to contract certain uh vineyards for specific programs uh-huh. when you when you're making like nine million cases of wine right. um, but uh, <laughs> so,
2: wait, so you would go out to who were you representing
3: oh at the time I worked for Constellation and okay, then and at, so a, but stationed at Woodbridge
2: so then but but are you trying to get the best grapes for the best price for well, the winery the or are you trying to get the best price for the growers
3: you're trying to keep a good relationship between oh, the winery shit. and the growers okay. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> somewhat political in that way yeah um, and so No, it was fun, and I got to see a lot of different vineyards, and especially how they grow out there in the Central Valley. Right. And then moving here, but really, um, now I'm here with Andrew, and we started a a family, so we have two kids and one on the way. There you go. And uh, and so actually, I work a lot in the tasting room, and then talk to um, Mike Zayni a lot about when we're gonna, you know, leaf and all that kind of stuff. So.
0: Yeah. So you you have your you have your fingers in it? Yeah. Yeah.
3: I'm all, um, I'm I'm just doing whatever I can to help out.
7: Yeah, that's the so way also I was. She's a seller. She's
6: also a seller at
3: yeah, but that's like the worst dog. <laughs> no, I'm just
5: kidding. <laughs> She's a
4: great person to reach out to if you want to uh, have not come to an event. I'll tell you that much. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so Andrew, um, to to wrap back around to you. Speaking of cellar rats, did you um, grow up um, working in the cellar, um, or at least shoveling pumice or something?
6: Or something. Everything you could name, I did. And I, the, my first memories as a kid was walking into the tank farm at Balvern and just smelling all that fresh stainless. And from fresh, any wine, uh, fresh eventually. joke. But, uh, fresh stainless. It was, uh, there was some super fresh stainless there. It was a brand new expensive uh, wow. place. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, big let's face catwalks.
0: it. Winemakers, they have a thing for like shiny aluminum, and shiny stainless, you know.
6: That's um, amazing. I, I started shoveling pumice uh, with my friends, and we have pictures of the document. And I definitely helped on the bottling line as early as I could remember. And
0: see all your fingers. Um, all your fingers yeah, yep. I still,
6: I, I definitely saw some anger management being uh, taken out on bottling lines. Or however you well, not say on, that? No, not wouldn't but, be. Uh, or, no, um, not speaking about Doug. Back here. then, <laughs> no, no, you no, not about Doug. Story. Just people yeah. who are, yeah, employees of bottling lines, and mm-hmm. um, just the the pressure to bottle at high speeds. Um, since then, uh, that's, I don't that's know why Bart it, knows about that. Yeah, the, that's
0: why the best thing about bottling lines <laughs> is that they're on trucks and they pull up and then they leave. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well,
1: this one guy couldn't leave fast enough. That we, <laughs> <laughs> one day, yeah. we will not mention who. That yeah. Was. yeah,
6: we saw some cases flying off and nobody was catching them. So yeah, they ended up. Um, yeah, right There's, offs a, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of bottling stories. Yeah. So,
0: um, so you grew up around the winery, um, and then uh, went to high school at Hillsburg High.
6: Hillsburg High Greyhounds. Yep. Go Greyhounds. <laughs> go Hounds. Go, go hounds. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we all call each other Hounds. So. At least you weren't the uh, pe-
0: the
1: the prune pickers or the banana slugs or the banana <laughs>
0: slugs, right? Yeah. So yeah.
6: So actually, my mom went to Hillsburg High. My grandma went to Hillsburg High. My my great grandma went to Hillsbury High, yeah, so, uh, and then maybe my kids will be going to Hillsbury High, so lots of hounds. Uh, we actually kind of have some hounds colors in our uh, label too. We're, we're calling it crimson, um, and so then, but actually, yeah. And then I ended up, and then I became a bulldog, and and actually this is where the the knoll red null crimson comes from, kind of, because my dad also his undergraduate we went to University of Redlands, which is in Southern California, right, Redlands, an hour of. Yeah an hour east of los angeles and uh it, i just had the a love of sports and had this dream of uh playing baseball and i mean i did get to accomplish that down there for a couple of years and uh and then actually i learned i mean rancho cucamonga they had some of the first vines down there and and actually i believe there was a, a winery where the administration building was i was doing some research at at the university of redlands uh, but then after prohibition everything changed and people, a lot of the vineyards I mean, because of the population boom down there and they had orange orchards and um, the vineyards moved up here. But uh, the University of Redlands was a great place. And uh, I got a philosophy degree because there were were no winemaking degrees. Um, uh, but I did get that love. I finally took biology and chemistry. It was really cool there at the, the end to get my credits. And uh, and I pretty much I knew the second I was getting <laughs> delving into philosophy um and sports that i was was like well winemaking that's a perfect combo (laughs) Uh, and also did some cooking on the side in the summers and uh was actually you know so then winemaking yeah it was a perfect fit um and and right after graduation we really needed to work at the winery so i just i just picked up right where i left off and uh, i took short courses at davis and uh and the Santa Rosa, all that same story, you hear a lot of stuff, but all on the job, I've just been living it my whole life pretty much
0: and and have you always worked here, or did you work at a, a some other wineries along <laughs> the way
6: uh, yeah, so i I worked a harvest in South Africa on uh, Stellenbosch and, and I worked on a mobile bottling line um <laughs> and then, like I said, you know and I just Corbell. and in tasting rooms at Corbel um but pretty much it's all been heres. So yeah, the only other real winery hands-on a harvest was in South Africa um because we always need to be working here and I did that in January um the seasons are flipped so um pretty much yeah because without me and my dad and, and my parents or my mom and everybody yeah. we we need all hands on deck so and
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you guys are truly a family-run business and been doing it successfully for a long time, so um congratulations on that it's great.
6: thanks yeah Thank i love it and and just all the little small lots and uh just we try different vitals over the time that i mean i i really there's no i really have to get right into it and get it as close to perfection as i can so the pressure on is like the pressure creates diamonds i've just put i've had to just dive right in and i'm not just kind of Goofing off, I guess. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, I, I mean, thought I thought you were. All, all, right. yeah. all these I years, say. I thought you've been goofing off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. It's it, it, the, the can I add this a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. I mean, the winemaking is um, there's a lot of levels, and some of the best winemakers you ever meet are home winemakers, actually, yeah. if they get it. Right. And I just spoke to one not a few days ago. He really does get it. He doesn't have the equipment and all that kind of thing, but he senses it and over the years, I've, there are people who are, uh, maybe it's in, it's the entertainment business also, or, or musicians, people that can just play the music, but they don't play it with much soul or spirit or feeling. And then there are people that do. And, I, and winemaking is a lot like that. And I want to compliment Andrew because I think he does, I know he does, he gets that feeling. Right. And so now you just have to arm those people with the right equipment uh, and the right uh, backup information. But he understands that, and uh, that's. That's why I think we do well here.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that, especially like a fermentation, there's a flow to a fermentation, and it is something that you sense and something that, that you kind of fall along get in tune with. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the aging of wine, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, at large wineries with lots of equipment, you I think sometimes you get out of touch with that, you know? I remember mm-hmm. talking to a winemaker and him saying, I don't have to walk around and check all my tanks because I just look on the computer screen. And, and I and I was always like, I, I can't get away from just walking up to a tank and feeling it, you know. And I, I, you know, right now I have some barrels. We have some barrels sitting out in the sun today trying to warm them up to finish that fermentation. Mm-hmm. We don't have a, you know, heat exchanger or a <laughs> heated room, um, you know. Um, yeah. So you you, you you I think by working that way, you do become more in tune with what needs to be to make great wine.
1: And I, and I like the analogy, not um, to labor this but um, the winemaker is a jockey and the vineyard is the horse so without the horse you're not going to go very you won't do well uh, but the horse has to be ridden so it's a combination of both and you you first have to find the best grapes you can then you have to be a good jockey
2: you guys what are we t-
1: does this it smells a little cork to me
6: I didn't check it. I just, it. Up in one. I just yeah. had, I had one corked, and these are the non-corked the Oh, you non-cork know, it happens. Corks. It happens. These are supposed to be no cork well, cork. The are these it's normal,
1: normal corks? It, uh, no. It's a gray cork, we call them, because there are the some people. That's Brian, two, you're really good at this. Row. You picked it up. I got it, and I thought, I wonder if anybody else is going to smell this. Mm, yeah. um, gray corks are... Smells like lavender. What's wrong with that? <laughs> then they should all be like that. Um, we'll get this tested. It isn't. We'll get it. Yeah. It. It the 17, isn't, Though. Though.
4: It, it is cork. That we're sitting here oh, um, was man. poured at the, uh, the historic vineyard society event. We sold quite a bit of it. It's showing absolutely beautifully. So we should we'll yeah. grab another one and uh, and actually yeah. talk about it. You got that. it, didn't you?
1: Whoa. You're really Just sensitive to TCA. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, I'm, I. Got you one hadn't one smelled we
6: it. Got one earlier that was. Yeah, no, gray I cork, I got, I got the it. The mouth and, was messed um, up. So.
1: Yeah, you know, some I mean, people can't pick that up.
0: I know it, it is, and sometimes they just don't think they don't like the wine, but um, right. yeah, right. It, we right. we
2: started hearing this theory from now. Bart and I are not millennials, but we happen to work with the guy who's a millennial. Man, he claims that here. the those here those now, carrots, those little baby carrots, oh, yeah. That, yeah, oh. that they get shaved oh, down. Yeah. He says there's something in the process of making those carrots that these kids now that were raised on those they can't, they can't
1: pick up a corked smell oh, in wine and i, I don't know exactly it. Yeah. what it is in, no, in it, that a bag yeah. of those baby carrots always smells yeah. like tca to yeah. Us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i can't i can't yeah. have them.
7: A weird. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah so because. they're they they
2: associate that smell okay. with like their childhood yeah. they don't think there's anything um, wrong yeah. with I it i mean
1: this so. is, this may be a stretch but you know chlorine ha, has a role right. in, in tca yeah. right it's chloral anisole. Right, there's a chlorine molecule yeah. in there. Or, uh, okay, so um, my theory is, and this could be wiped out by anybody who's in that business of bagging baby carrots, but that they're they have some cleanser that they're they're sanitizing the carrots before yeah. they bag them, yeah. and there might be a chlorine product in that sanit yeah. sanitizer. Yeah,
0: that's exactly what I thought. Chlorine it was. and wood together. Yeah. Um, because it, they, there's been theorized that a lot of times it comes from, um, pallets in the winery and, um, you know, the mic, once the microbes are in there and there's chlorine there. So
1: yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, yeah, I'll rinse with this one. Yeah.
4: As a, as a 34 year old technical millennial, <laughs> I want to say that I was the first person to call that cork. So All right.
7: you were that was. good yeah. on you. All right.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Here
7: we go. I'm um, sure
1: do it again yeah. oh that's a beautiful
0: one
4: so without giving away all so the there you go. all the secrets yeah,
1: now, now the fruit comes out yeah, yeah it's, it it's gorgeous going, yeah. that's beaten down and then i well i'll be i'll be quiet but <laughs> well everybody picked yeah. on yeah. That's good.
0: and you know sometimes infantile can have some you know that briary or almost a um uh, an herbal note to it sure Sure, um, that's And that's different. what I did at first. I went, is this just, you know, wow. kind of that way? And then it was like, no, it's not. There, so and
4: there's a little bit of a dustiness in the air right now, too. So I was, <laughs> I was thinking about that. Wow. But, you know, just with the wind and, like, I'm being serious. Like, there's a little bit of a dustiness yeah. in the air. Yeah. yeah. So, no, like, but, deciphering but the, through that. But, yeah. There's the berry fruit in yeah. this one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. So this is delicious.
3: But this is the – actually, this is our um, there go. estate old vine. And it's made from the 93-year-old old vines right here on the estate. And it's all dry farmed and so it has that nice moderate alcohol all french oak wow we say old school california it's really nostalgic Um, a lot of people say it's nostalgic of this area Mm -hmm. Um, dry creek back back in the day yeah
5: well
2: when we were talking to Mick Unti, we were talking about dry creek wines and what percentage of wines in this area actually had the dry creek what percentage of grapes grown ended up in a bottle that said dry creek valley on them and we were thinking it was probably around 10, possibly 15%, something like that, hmm. um, which means a lot of it's going into... Mm, well, Sonoma other, County, Sonoma, right? Sonoma. I mean,
0: yeah, there's a lot of Sauvignon Blanc up here that gets sold to larger wineries that don't do a Dry Creek Sauvignon Blanc. They do a County. so they're Sonoma blending County. it with other... Yeah. Or yeah. nor-
1: either yeah. Northern California. Right. It's going into the Northern California right, right, blend. Yeah, That's what, yeah.
2: No- I think most people, when they think of Dry Creek, though, think of...
0: Zinfandel
2: correct correct yeah I do. I would correct yeah yeah I, mean, I would too but it then you guys are you growing this cab on the property as well we have
6: a yes a state cab right behind where we're sitting here and uh, we've had that since the late 80s uh, it was oh, in right. before that but there is actually a lot of Cabernet planted in Dry Creek as probably well. probably the
0: two highest varieties in Dry Creek Cab cabins in right yeah right. and then maybe well,
1: mick would tell you differently but it's a small percentage uh, i mean he's really pushing hard on the italians and good yeah, for him uh, yeah. because the, the the climate is quite a bit southern yeah. southern italy yeah. you know mid to southern italy yeah,
0: yeah. oh yeah no he he yeah. he shared his oh no, i think opinions that's good with us that's yeah. for sure yeah i'm sure yeah. good good he was all he was all uh, Dry Creek positive though. That was the that was the nice thing. I guess he's a new um, a new member of the Dry Creek grape growers and so
7: wine growers of Dry Creek Valley. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. on the board now. He just yeah. got elected. That's I saw him saying. last night at yeah. the this promote this meeting they had at this new mill district place down by the roundabout. They're developing a, a former lumber mill into a hotel retail condos and affordable housing I like saw
0: that uh, the water tower with yeah. the district on it. Okay. yeah mm-hmm.
7: yeah
0: it'll be nice to see that i mean i guess it's kind of mixed feelings right you don't want to see an empty lumber mill there but then you also are a little afraid of a bunch of development so
1: it's already here right so you might as well do it
4: well right yeah. right so stylistically the 17s in to me um so I've only been drinking all wines for about a year. My good buddy, uh, Brian Seal with the Veneration Wine Club, brought my wife and I up here to meet um, Andrew in April last year. And one of my first thoughts was Burgundy. I kept going back to Burgundy when I was drinking these Infindels. And I had I had this like epiphany. And Brian Brian's wine style that he likes for his clubs are very lean, um, very hipster, but still in check, right? And I don't think these wines are hipster at all because I think these wines are way more delicious than what you would call You know your run-of-the-mill hipster wine Uh. but that being said what what i'm complimenting you here is the like the delicacy and the the bouquet on this wine and then how well the french oak is integrated i mean the wine is beautiful and the 17 i think is the best vintage that i've had i've only had four or five of the zins but uh vintages wise like this is is tasting really really nice
6: we we love that we live for that that's our whole livelihood is about and zinfandel we are known for zinfandel and so um these estate old vine i'm bottling them separately as a vineyard designate and my dad started it where um i mean he would combine a bunch of different vineyards in dry creek uh, mm-hmm. and have some Petite raw and carignan in it but i i think that being where we are this location the vines being here this long and knowing the acid the natural acidity that's here um these wines because uh, kind of a, a badge of honor is to have your wines last a long time for me or the way I was trained. And so I, I want the that, is that backbone and that structure to have the wines last, um, be smooth and flavorful, you know, at least 10 years. And so, uh, but when they're young, they got that vibrant fruit too. So I'm trying to cover both sides of the fence. And uh, I love to hear that feedback. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am kind of like one of those introverted artist where I I really am always um, obsessing on the details of it so I always want to keep making it perfect or keep elevating the style so and I'm already thinking about the 18s I got my 19s in barrels and so and this wine's evolving and we release our wines we try to release with the trends of everybody else releasing there I mean just in California you release about two years out from the vintage and so but in, in a way like because of this style the wines almost need like like an extra six months i just like to i always think they just they get better i mean you don't hear that as much but i really believe that and so i'm always like keep waiting for that that i mean right now this is it's tasting great so i'm pleased but
1: well but it, but you know i mean we 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 need people to understand these wines really aren't built for early drinking which is which is counterintuitive because the alcohol is a little lower 13.9 isn't low but it is relative to the industry they really take three or four years to come around and um, I also wanted to Todd you mentioned this burgundy thing (laughs) which Chuck I I have to chuckle because for decades now we've been called um, not necessarily in the best of terms the the Pinot Noir of Zinfandel.
6: No, I take it as a compliment.
4: Yeah, okay. compliment.
1: Well, it wasn't I, I, I like, originally. It. Because it when Pinot right. wasn't a big deal in the 80s, just to call something the Pinot Noir of Zinfandel was kind of a put-down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, if you walk in the vineyard and you taste the grapes when they're ripening, they're thin-skinned. Mm-hmm. They're actually harder to grow than Pinot Noir because of the uneven ripening even though everybody says Pinot is the heartbreak grape. I would say Zin is the heartbreak grape. It's to, to get it right every year with the uneven ripening is more difficult because if you, if you nail the Pinot on the right day, you nailed it. Zinfandel, you don't really know if you've nailed it until it's pretty much done for many, and you go, okay, I guess we picked it on the right day. I mean, the yeah. hardest
0: decision is deciding when to pick, right, Doug? Exactly. It is,
1: yeah. it is. And so there's a lot there's a lot of vineyard work that goes into getting Zinfandel tuned in right and then you got to pick it and and it, it's really sensitive it's bunch rot city with any moisture um it raisins easily but you can have pink um it's it just is a weird grape and so then to to, to make it in a big bombastic style is sort of the way out of that right. to try and make it with elegance is a little different cat mm-hmm. so if it's the Pinot Noir of Zinfandel, we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. My good buddy Brian, that I just mentioned, that was almost how he described it to me originally when we were coming up here. I was asking him about the wines, and he was like, you know, they're they're on this delicate side of Zinfandel, so you can really, you know, you can taste Henderlong Ranch. You can actually kind of, you know, really experience the terroir and not just use the word. You know, it's, it's, it, the wines are beautiful.
2: <laughs> and how, how are you deciding on pick? Cause you said you're not much of a, a numbers guy you kind of do things by feel. So is it are you out there tasting the grapes? or Are you actually out there measuring sugars or do you even think that matters? Or is it only just by taste?
6: I'm doing everything possible to make the best wine possible uh, I, I am ultimately trusting my gut and my feelings and tasting it I think that's like with cooking where you always see the chefs everybody has to taste their food before they even put it on the plate or uh, I really believe in the proofs in the pudding and I'm like most anybody but i also look at the number i have to i just have to because it's just a double checking or it's just to be consistent with your style and every year is a little different sometimes the wines will or the grapes will taste perfect maybe the ph might be higher or the acid might be lower than but usually you can taste that but sometimes yeah. you can just clarify it to within one gram or 0.5 grams and that could be the difference between a couple of days, or I, I really, since the vineyards are right here and I live right here, I every day I just walk right by the vines and taste them. Yeah, you <laughs> and, really don't uh, have an excuse. I, I go for to not sleep thinking about it, and I wake up and I look at it, morning, and then I walk cheesy. outside you, and I taste today? it <laughs> And, And uh, I, I I love my I walk my dog and, and walk with my kids in the vineyard world. I mean, I'm out there tasting the second crop right now, going, well, you can make some good second crop late harvest okay. right here because yeah, there's been we? no rain so there's no real rod i know I mean, you could if, if you had the time and the energy and you had interns and barrels stuff that were still around and uh, yeah <laughs> but, uh, kids are
5: a, only a few years away
4: from yeah,
6: that right because yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, like oh man my 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 daughter wants to cook so i mean fermentation is like cooking so yeah we could start or we could make yeah
2: because uh, will you explain <laughs> that for people so so when we pulled up we see fruit still on the vine and you guys are saying oh that's second crop Can you explain for people that don't know what that means? What does that mean? Why didn't you pick every single berry that was on that vine?
6: Uh, Actually, this year, it's a simple answer. I mean, it's probably power outages and uh, uh, some smoke and a winery's not being open, actually, because normally some wineries, uh, I've used the second crop before a few times, but some of the bigger wineries can process that quicker or or take large amounts later in the season when they do have a larger staff um so a lot of the time it does actually get picked uh we this has been a different one this year i mean maybe bart can
0: well i should say the hard thing about picking second crop is is that there's not as many bunches and they're smaller so it takes a lot more energy to pick a lot less fruit and um the other thing is it's a second crop so it's behind the first crop so it's not like you pick it at the same time um It takes time for it to ripen. And then typically, as I was always told, because I used to pick second crop for homemade wine, is it has less acid and it's just a little less flavorful. But um, if it sits long enough in a year like this year, you can make some pretty darn good wine out of second crop.
1: But it's a a long bet here. Uh, Some years it makes, because the home winemakers love to tell you, oh, I made this from second crop. They go, okay, can you do this every year? No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, That's the problem. So a lot of times, and when the tank capacity, when they're all full and 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 you get a rain and and it starts falling And
0: the other thing is you walk into the vineyard, and for whatever reason, end vines always have the most second crop. So you walk into (laughs) the vineyard and you go, look at all this second crop. Well, yeah, this is going to be easy. And then you get about four vines in, and there's only one or two bunches per vine. And so you spend all your time walking.
4: (laughs) So we poured the 15 in as the Bernie. Andrew can tell us yeah, that
6: we call it the Bernie uh, Bernier Cyberry is uh, healthcare is for hot. all. Uh, like <laughs> if anybody can understand, yeah, what I'm saying right now. It's a, so it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a hyphenated vineyard designate, and uh, Paul Bernier um, Paul Bernier and his family uh, and his son and his wife, they grow grapes and they grow awesome vegetables, and uh, they're they're farming. The Zinfandel, 80% Zin, 10% Petit Sirah, 10% Carignan, on the siberry land, which is up there on Canyon Road, in dry, in the northern part of Dry Creek, about five miles from where we're sitting right now. And so we love this vineyard because it's dry farmed and head trained and uh, farmed as close to our, organically as possible without the certification, um, like uh, that we we need that as far uh, as part of the null style to have some petits carrying on the uh, my dad's classic way of making zen where you have about it ends up going to the main null where it's about um 90 percent zen and then that petits rock carrying on but i also leave a few barrels behind to bottle six months later and i just love the i just love pushing the envelope with maybe aging my zen a little longer i mean i might even try two years and i've got that structure again and uh i got the it's like the i like the mouthfeel with wines that have been barrel aged and a little longer and um i think this wine can do that this is
1: a really good example of what four years from vintage will do to a wine i think i mean this is just coming into its own and you're four years out okay and and that's Shows you, I mean, this wine was pretty darn tight a couple of years ago. Yeah,
0: I mean, people, we, we all drink young wines here because we're around it so much. And um, But, yeah, it's amazing um, how some time we'll make a wine uh, d- uh, come around and be so much richer and, you know. It's really getting good. Yeah. No, the fruit's beautiful, and you get some savory aspects
2: to it,
6: too. They're just
0: really nice.
2: But you guys, do you have some of that... Um, Petite Sirah and Carignan here on the estate.
6: We have uh, some Carignan blocks, yes, and some of the Zinfandel blocks have a little bit of Carignan, a few uh, vines uh, sprinkled mm-hmm. in. I don't know whether it was intentional, was so long ago, it was just the cuttings they came upon, or um, and also we've been putting a few Petite Sirah in when we replant some of the Zinfandel, mm-hmm. just because again that's my dad's style and. A lot of Zin has the Tietzera carrying on out there in the, the field blends. Um, but, you know, Zin's always the star and shines with the fruit and always has good acidity, too. So that's why it's been around this long. It's a really versatile grape. It's, um, it's The flavors are fun for Zin, and people know Zin. I mean, I love making the Zin in this style, too, because I want wines that have that freshness. I don't want something too heavy. I mean... I'm not a I like lighter wine it's like um say like a burgundy Burgundies are the toast of the world you know and for a reason I mean, think they have that profile where they're light on their feet but they have that depth of flavor and so this is just where this is where I'm fortunate to make wine yeah. from on this piece of land and it's uh the soil is really healthy here so we're we're lucky and it goes on and on I mean zinfandel is gonna be here i think for a while uh just because of the versatility and and every wine drinker can find the style they like so we have yeah. found our people that like what we're doing and and that's why i'm playing with some that has a little more or a little less zin, or and now now since i'm spending so much time here i mean um, and and will continue to do that when i walk the vineyard I, I know the flavor profiles of almost down to the rows or the blocks and i'll get to now I'm really just separating those specific rows into specific barrels and specific times I'm going to age them. Or I'm so gonna you're get, doing that on I'm,
2: on pick days. You're actually going okay. Stop right there because I know those have specific <laughs> specific. Oh man, I, I would definitely that,
6: again. Maybe if that like I, what I hear in Burgundy, we will do that and in, in the future when my kids get older. Or <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, a lot of the labor comes down to just the timing and the pick and the logistics. Where sometimes you you can't just pick one bin a day or I mean, we're picking maybe, you know, we could pick two to one to two tons, three tons a day, but normally the people they like to pick about four tons. Like that's a good morning pick for the crew or the um, but I mean it's all working I'm just gonna keep refining it. Um I'm excited about I have some access to some newer older newer older vines on the property that we're able to um secure just because they came out of contract with another or a bigger winery that and they're on our property so we just i'm excited to just taste the different flavor profiles from that specific location which is just Uh, actually just a couple hundred yards or like 50 yards behind us right here a new little block and uh there i love the old vines because the old vines have so much more it seems like they have more flavor i mean it's not uh, younger vines can have it it's it does come down to the location, um, and this Bernier has really got a great location. To go back to that, it's on a hillside, and the soil is pretty weak, and uh, the the skin-to-juice ratio is a lot smaller. There, there's a lot more skin. And huh. The berries are a little more vibrant um, down where we are. Um, so the Bernier sideberry is, is uh, just something that people can taste. It's It's fun. It's fun to taste the valley, dry creek, what it there's many microclimates and every producer's different even so you guys have probably already heard all this but uh
4: how far apart are pick dates usually between here and there
6: oh yeah so actually yeah the further up north the valley that we usually we pick that first and sometimes that's usually around labor day and then it's sometimes about a week ahead of down here but it depends yeah um 7 to 10, Seven to 10. yeah um but then and then i have blocks these new blocks on our property these old vines there was two weeks behind the Bernier because, uh, it's a little thicker, uh, denser soil back here. Um, and so, yeah, there's clay in the soil it's, it's not as much clay in front of the winery. So the clay holds water basically. And so the vines are still pulling that up uh, later in the season. Yeah.
0: You want to talk about this cab? Um, this is obviously from the estate, um, uh, Todd and I were just commenting. 100 is it 100% cab.
1: No, it's 85 cab. Okay. 85 cab, 15 Merlot.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, delicious. You know, 13.7 alcohol. Kind okay. of unheard of in this day but
4: unheard really, of in but this bar like, there is a 137. 7 now I pull out Sonoma Sonoma the old Ma- the old
1: man discussion here, you know, when I was here <laughs> yeah. back in the day when when 132 was a big cabernet. Right. Seriously. Yeah. In, in Napa. Too. Yeah, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Well, and yeah.
0: that's the same discussion with zinfandel. It's like yeah. when did zinfandel go over the top yeah. and I blame that on Zap. I'm not supposed to mention somebody's name, so I won't. But it was in
1: the mid '90s when when it took off uh, and went from 13 five or 14 was normal to 15 five to 16 five, even 17. Because of the yeast. Well, that's the reason it was possible. Um, Little did I know when I was at Davis in the '70s, they were everybody was working really hard to improve the yeast that could ferment, because winemakers were complaining that. some of their higher bricks um, wine musts were n- not going dry, so oh well, let's improve the yeast um, ability here, and so they came up with new yeast that would ferment to seventeen, eighteen alcohol. So when that was possible, finally by the by the nineties, then uh, then alcohols went up yeah. because of the, r- the riper you pick it, the the bigger and bolder the wine is, and it does really well in tastings and um, people. Uh, people like alcohol. They do. <laughs> well, they, no, they, no, they don't. Re, they don't necessarily correlate it with what they're going to drink, with, eat with the food, oh, yeah. eat with the wine. Sorry, yeah. eat with the wine. So uh, they just like alcohol, yeah. Yeah. and that's where it went. Yeah. But um, we've tried to hold the line on that whole thing. Yeah. And
4: that, that pendulum is swinging back dramatically because, as a wine buyer, I mean, I have Zins in the store that are twelve six. Oh. Um, you know, they're yeah. those are full on. As I was talking earlier, like hipster wine, right? But, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, they don't they don't taste anything like this, but mm-hmm. people are searching for lower alcohol wines instead of to be able to have something like of this quality in Cabernet, but be under 14%. I mean, it's just, it's awesome.
2: See, and I get the old cats at the hotel, so I'm selling a lot of Orange Swift super extracted yeah. polished, uh, polished, <laughs> extremely polished wine uh, yeah. that, yeah, is, del- it's like junk food. Mm. Um, it's delicious, but it's has no character, no soul, no nothing. It's just so it has of, no Tawar,
1: is, perhaps.
5: I mean,
2: uh, where no, did it come from? You seven can't different tell. counties you can't and tell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, but it's, you know, it's delicious and sweet. There's a wine for everyone and everyone for a wine, that's isn't right. there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We, we I think Tawar, if if it's not about Tawar, then why bother with wine? I I'm I'm at that point Absolutely. right now. Yeah. If you, because that's what Wine aficionado is about. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a very expensive alcohol product, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. just buy a bottle of vodka. Right. Yeah. But if you get into the 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 part about oh, I I get this. This has a different flavor because of the location, because mm-hmm. of the towar. That's a whole different thing, right? Yeah. Well, and it's like and the then it's worth the money.
4: Kobe beef versus normal beef, right? You're not going to pay, you know. However, fifty dollars a pound, or whatever for normal chuck. When, but you know, some people can understand that Kobe beef tastes different and costs different for a reason. And so that's right. you know the parallel mm-hmm. thinking here is when you can actually have a wine, you, that you can taste its place. It, it is worth more ones. money yeah. because mm-hmm. it's. It's better Isn't that for many, many thing. reasons. Didn't they copyright you know? that? A taste yeah. of
1: place, or is that KJ? I'm not sure. It is, yeah, but, but, just, but they, yeah. they make a coming good out point. of my uh, mildly <laughs> intoxicated why <would> you, brain. <laughs> why would you pay all this money for He's this, this small amount of alcohol yeah. unless there was a specific yep. r- taste to it, mm-hmm. which was that's the, what your dad told you. Noir. Yeah, yeah, right. and, and he was right. He's from Kentucky.
6: Kentucky boy.
1: Yeah, when a bottle, when a bottle of red wine. Cost more than a bottle of Jim Beam, you were in trouble. He didn't understand
2: terroir.
1: <laughs> you guys have you guys ever
2: made port?
5: Uh, sort of.
6: Well, we made a late harp. We made a late harvest light. I w- I'm calling it. Okay. So it. was a little higher alcohol and is made from more dried. Um, Zen. It was great. fifteen five yeah. alcohol. It was. It was oh, fifteen oh, two or something. Everybody. Nobody got it. Everybody's like looking at us like, what's this? What's like this like it tasted that? like. How
2: come you put your zen in small bottles?
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: Oh, yeah. Right.
6: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, We're used to that. <clears <clears throat> <Yeah>. throat> well, when, when, when a Jackass when, Hill reference, yeah. but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is the thing when when people say well no it's just like most people they have to know our style is in cuz they might they might have a I don't know what's the word Bart when they well taste.
0: I I think I think it's not that they have to know it they have to be open to learning this style um, and again I think a lot of people think of Zinfandel as being w- w- that overly extracted sweet high alcohol and it's it's not that it's a much more elegant wine like we were say, saying before you know it's a um, it's a delicate wine and it's affected by over ripeness and it's also affected by other varieties very very quickly so you have to be careful with that that would be kind
4: of
1: my thought but.
4: what are the age on the the Cabernet vines uh, just like ballpark mm, compared uh, tw-
1: 85 86 85 is a what great year by the yeah. way yeah 35 so. Yes. So.
2: beautiful will you guys want to will you give out some information so your web address um, so people can call you up and check out the wines. I
4: think it's I think it's April's t- yeah. time on the mic. That's, that's <laughs> me. That's long me. Over here. Put down <laughs> the white claw.
3: <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, well, we're open for tastings on Saturdays and Sundays at 2383 Dry Creek Road. Like you said, two miles from Healdsburg Town. And we're open from noon until 4.30 p.m. and no appointment needed. You can also find us online at uh, nullwinery.com
2: and spell null for people. Yeah.
3: N A L L E. Yeah. So, null with the silent E. um winery.com. And what else am I missing? And how about
0: something about your wine club?
3: Oh yeah, we have a we have an awesome wine club. Um, if you like the wines, you get a good discount 20% off and uh, in the spring and the fall you get our new releases. Uh, six bottles in the spring, six in the fall, or you can go bigger and do 12 in the spring, 12 in the fall. So we don't Bombard you with wine. You just get two shipments to your door, and it's of our new releases. So it pretty much guarantees you the wine. We do sell out pretty quickly. Um, like the Bernier Sybari Zin is goes to the club, and we also make our sparkling and our Estate Sauvignon Blanc is an option for the club as well. So um, just the small old wine amounts. Was
6: small amounts, but we I kept some more separate because it's popular, and so we're trying to cater the club really to go direct to the consumer right to the folks what they want it, what style they want so we're um building the winery to make small lots for them and the styles and the terroir that they want and so they can step in, it'd be like stepping into dry creek when they're in philadelphia and stuff so right. and and yeah. so,
0: and these wines are not distributed nationally right um,
3: uh not not really no. we have a few distributors one in new york and okay. one in washington And it's only
6: one wine really it's just it's the main knoll uh, my dad calls it the classic nawl but we've been, on the website we've been putting flagship just to not make it sound like Coca-Cola or just uh, it's the one something that's been around a long time. Uh, I don't know if they are not gonna come after us like some of the other people that you know, when we use like, uh, but like um, but we but yeah we're, we we keeping it in small nawl That's how you can remember it, and uh, we just the distributors are cool, and we we really want to get our. We want people to be able to taste our wine around the world.
0: No, you but, want people to but, come to Dry Creek Valley yeah, we do. and come here and eat at you know restaurants in town and go to other wineries and get out here and visit and experience it. That's what you want them to do. Yeah,
6: that was my idea, and that's why we have the Old Vine, and we have this beautiful view in the back of the winery where people taste now. Um, but it seems like actually we Bart's totally right, and that's where we're headed. But at the same time, the sommeliers are people around the – the world where we have had the wine in the past, um, they they want to show somebody something unique, uh, another style of Zen. So when the people come to the table, um, they want something different and they're they're open minded. Then we're there for that as well. Um, but Absolutely, it, thank you for
4: letting yeah. me carry it at Sonoma's best too. <laughs> yeah, um, to put perspective <laughs> on kind of how how small um, and DTC or direct to consumer, you know, null is. Naple drive all the way from Dry Creek Valley down to Sonoma's best to just deliver like two cases. Yeah. So it's and that's like for people who don't know, it's, a, it's an over-hour drive for two cases. I like, I feel guilty that I'm not ordering more, <laughs> but then in feeling guilty, they said that's all I can have. So it's like okay, well then I'll take I'll take the two and I won't
6: feel guilty yeah. and we'll go from there.
5: You know? like, yeah, it's, true. Yeah, it's pretty
4: pretty
6: amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for talking us up yeah. and um getting excited about this and giving us the opportunity to share our story like you were saying and we have a lot of other things that background and history and if people come by the winery we can usually we we can explain that or you can just see it for yourself in person and
0: yeah we didn't even talk about the winery building
5: <laughs> yeah i
2: don't know Oh well, yeah. let, let's let people have a little teaser and, and Bart and, and get I get Yeah. Take some photos and we'll. Um, Another post reason those to come out uh, and see it. On the Instagram account and on our. Uh, For sure. Real Misfits uh, page. But this is these are the kind of um, shows, actually, that I know Bart and I like to do. I mean, we can have Randall Graham and Richard Arrowwood on and they can talk about how many 30, 40, 50 harvests they've done. But w- we like talking to people that are doing it thoughtful, um, people that are. Um, doing small lots people that are family owned um this is kind of you know we like to kind of shine a light on people like yourselves that are making wine like this because um a lot of times you kind of get especially with distribution get lost in the shuffle and so you just need someone to and it was todd actually that turned us on you know well bart had heard of the wine before but for me it was just todd bringing the wine one day and go no oh, you, you guys got to check this out it's 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 like a lighthouse you know you turn on that light in the lighthouse and then people start people start showing up so thank you for allowing us uh yeah on the property and opening up these nice wines for us thank you guys very much now get off yeah thank you for the history lesson well i gotta pick my grapes first (laughs) okay 10 more minutes We got any extra (laughs) don't let the gate hit you on the way out (laughs) and let's get a shout out todd jolly at sonoma's best I, I think you're skipping something today. I don't know what you're skipping to. Yeah, we
4: canceled uh, the blind tasting today, but, you know, this is uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure there's going to be okay. people yeah. there. Yeah, Myron, Myron <laughs> will be overwhelmed, but it'll be It will okay. just be an <laughs> unorganized blind <laughs>
2: tasting. And I got to do a quick
4: shout-out again. I talked about Brian a few times, but I wouldn't know about Noll if it wasn't for Brian. And I hope everything I said earlier came across clear enough that, um, you know, he turned me on to these wines because of his precise wine style that I just love so much so yeah. big shout out to him and uh, thanks for having me on today.
2: well yeah and anytime you want to compare
0: m- my wine that I'm making to Burgundy <laughs> I'm cool with that <laughs>
5: thanks,
0: and, and and I'll just one last thing I want to give a shout out to all of the uh, podcast listeners that have been out to visit all of us here in the past month, month and a half we got another it's, one coming Yeah, it, it's so cool um, to uh, actually meet you folks and come out and taste some wine with you and share some time. So um, you'll all have to add uh, this winery to your list for your next visit. Mm-hmm. And um, and thank you guys for all your support of the podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Our pleasure. Yes, yeah, you can check you. out our um, Instagram account at winemakerspod.
2: And then uh, you can go to Radio Misfits Podcast Network and download some of the previous episodes. we are got to be around 125 something. Yeah, we don't really count. <laughs> and uh, shout out to John Myers it looks like he's walking around without his brace on so he is I think today was a off-site event so we kind of let him have his piece but um, he will probably be with us oh should we do a little teaser well, go ahead, you tease this. No, Br-
5: Let Todd his
2: Let's t- so <laughs> this so what is it, wine enthusiast, wine spectator no, 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 who just came here. out so, with? So a- uh,
4: tomorrow, um, I don't know if I'm gonna be there or not. I'll see if I can make it. But uh Braden albrecht the Maya Commas winery will be on the podcast. He just got number two wine in the world, this is twenty fifteen Maya Commas cab. Uh, shout out thirteen point I actually Maya Commas uses the fractions on their labels still. Um, but I think, you know, they're in the thirteen percent as well for making Cabernet, so um, That'll be a hell of a show. That guy is uh, an absolute whiz in the winery and a really fun talk. Um, So, yeah. Cool, cool. So
2: a little teaser for next week. Thank you guys for listening to The Winemakers. We look forward to talking to you next week.